Hey, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I am here today with Alex Newman. He is an international award-winning journalist, author, educator, speaker, and he was my very, very first podcast guest. So super exciting to have you back. It's like an anniversary for me. <laughs> it's great to be here. Thank you so much, Courtney. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on. And uh, it was great to see you in LA recently at the American Freedom Alliance Conference. So um, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. So maybe that's a good place to start. I I remember when, you know, when you were on last time and we kind of touched on you know, a bit of what was going on in the world and kind of the forces behind it. And it, it's been really interesting for me. I, I would actually love to hear how my audience sees this. I feel like my journey has kind of, you know, it, it's been a lot of uh, awakening over the, I think for a lot of people, but certainly over this past year and a half. And where you spoke at the conference, you did such a great job laying this out because I think for a lot of people, it is, it's a really hard pill to swallow this, uh, transhuman agenda <laughs> right it's uh i think even for people who see it they just don't want to acknowledge it it's just a little bit too dark too dystopian and a little too sci-fi <laughs> so maybe you can uh give us a little bit of a sense of how ha- how did you come to see this big picture and how do you uh encourage or suggest people start to look into this well, thank you, Courtney. And, you know, I think first for the people who aren't familiar with the concept of transhumanism, uh, there is a movement and it's been around for a long time. It mm-hmm. previously was kind of like a, a fringe idea. Nobody really took it seriously, partly because people didn't realize that these technologies to make it possible were already under development, were already uh, uh, well on their way to becoming a reality. And so people kind of just looked at this as like a kooky, weird thing for, for a you know, small fringe cult of people. But uh, now we see that it is being uh, supported and, and backed at the highest levels of political and business power. Mm-hmm. So for people who aren't familiar with this, the, the idea of transhumanism is basically to transcend our humanity. Uh, there, there's different angles here, but one of the major concepts is the merging of mankind with technology. So instead of having a smartphone in your pocket, you'd have a, that sort of technology embedded within your body. Um, you'd have direct interfaces between your, your mind, your brain, and uh, the digital world. Communi- you should be able to communicate digitally. And, and these types of uh, devices to make this possible already exist. In fact, Elon Musk has developed something called the Neuralink, mm-hmm. which um, uh, you know are, already works. Uh, they're doing human trials as we speak, but they know it works in animals, and so of course it will work with humans. Then there's also the the and, whole and they've men- said tens of thousands of people have already been shipped. Oh yeah, oh they, yeah. I mean all over the world. You know, in Scandinavia, it's becoming kind of a, a cool thing to do. I uh, have these microchips embedded in your hand where you can kind of pay your groceries or go into the VIP section of the club. So, so that that's been underway for years. In fact, even right after 9/11, they started promoting this idea of microchipping your children and 
Um, it's very bizarre things. So, so those things have been underway. And then there's also the, the genetic manipulation. You know, as a Christian, I believe God wrote my genetic code. Uh, it's the most highly advanced um, information storage uh, system that exists in the known universe. And uh, I, I believe, uh, obviously, God wrote that for me. Well, these people, including Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum, uh, Bill Gates, uh, the Bill Gates of Hell, I call him, from uh, Microsoft Corporation, and now the uh, Bill Gates of Hell Foundation, uh, they, they talk openly about this, manipulating our genetic code. And of course, it's all for your own good. It's just because they love you so much. And, you know, God just didn't know what he was doing when he wrote your genetic code. But you could trust Bill Gates. You could trust Klaus Schwab. Uh, and so they're talking about uh, editing the DNA of human beings. And they're talking about merging human beings with technology. And, and they believe that we are upgrading ourselves then to become little gods, to, to uh, become immortal, to, to, have, to not be just creatures, but creators. And, uh, and I mean, they say this openly now, you know, this was always kind of in, uh, in, the, in the shadows, but now they're starting to come out openly and say, uh, for example, Yuval Noah Harari, top advisor to uh, Klaus Schwab. Uh, his books are promoted by people like Barack Obama, Angela Merkel. I mean, he's a big deal. He speaks, uh, he gives keynote speeches at major events like the WEF. And, uh, and, and his latest book is called Homo Deus. And the premise is that uh, we are going to evolve into being gods by editing our genetics, by uh, implanting microchips and technology within our brains, within our bodies. Uh, and that's where they're going with this. So, you know, I think people need to recognize that just because they're not talking about this in your local fake newspaper, just because they're not talking about this uh, on the fake news on TV, it doesn't mean it's not real. It is. And uh, it will be coming to a theater near you very soon. Yeah. And what can people do to stop this? Is there any kind of I I think there's that there may be some people who think that this is a great thing and they're advocating for it, but there's there's a lot of us who still want to remain human. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think the first and most important thing, Courtney, is people need to learn how to say no. Uh, no means no. No, you're not going to have our kids. No, you're not going to put a microchip in my head. No, you're not going to edit the DNA of my future progeny. No, you're not going to inject me with some weird who knows what mRNA cocktail of no the answer is no period um and you know one person saying no is not all that significant uh 250 million people in america where there are 400 million firearms floating around in private circulation that's pretty significant so what we need is for americans to get a backbone and start saying no when they say you're going to lock down your city you say no when they say you're going to take this injection you say no when they say we're going to need to uh, do this to your children at school the answer is of course no so i think that is incredibly powerful um you know they have haven't quite entered the marketing phase for this yet. And so I, I think a lot of people don't even realize that this is going to be a problem, but it is coming. Uh, the marketing phase in America will begin soon. You'll start seeing news articles and news reports about how great it's going to be when you can um, you know, edit the DNA of your children to make sure they don't have some disease or to make sure that they're handsome or that they don't have bucky teeth or, uh, you know, it's going to be presented as something that's like, like you said, almost inevitable, you know, it's just the next step forward in human progress. It's kind of like going from horse and carriage to, to a car. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a Luddite, you know, I'm, I'm not opposed to technology right. per se. In fact, I think technology has a lot of useful applications. The very same technologies that the globalist elites thought they were going to use to enslave us are right this moment being used against them. Um, I mean, we're, we're talking over the internet. They thought, hey, this would be a great tool to manipulate people, surveil people. And here we are um, exposing their lives, exposing their agenda, using the very same technological platforms that they developed to try to control us. So, um, 
and I, I think it, it's just it's such a critical fight. It is going to be coming soon. And once you start seeing the marketing, you need to you need to be well informed before that hits so that once you start seeing the marketing, you can sound the alarm. You can let other people know that, look, the ones creating these technologies and pushing these technologies, they are evil to the core. They don't intend uh, for, to, for you to have a better life. In fact, they've been very clear that they think there are too many of us on the planet. Uh, they say it openly at this point. And uh, you know, I wouldn't trust somebody who thought there was too many of us to, to clean a toilet bowl at my house, much less uh, you know, edit my DNA or stick a microchip in my brain. So we need to realize that there is evil in the world and that um, it will come for you and your children unless you take active steps to resist it. Yeah, absolutely. So well said. How do you think we got here? Because I think that it's, uh, you know, a lot of things had to be, a lot of groundwork had to be laid for this technology to even be, you know, accepted, let alone developed, right? Let, even accepted to even research, let alone to be at a stage where we can market it, right? Yeah, well, I think part of it is naivete. Um, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, the, the Bible teaches that human nature is inherently sinful, that it's inherently evil. And when I look around at the world, when I look at human history, that is so obvious to me. I mean, look, look at what people do when left to their own devices. They lie, they cheat, they steal, they murder, they rape, they enslave, they pillage, they conquer. Um, you know, and, and even people who think they're good people do those yeah. kinds of things, right? And, and you see this right. clearly with children, right? Anybody who's got children will tell you, I, I love how uh, Vody Baucom, a very awesome uh, preacher, he says that they're, they're little vipers in a, in a diaper, right? Viper in a diaper, because <laughs> you know, they're, they're so selfish. All a baby cares about is, is what it wants. I'm hungry, you know, and it'll hit you. It's good that God made them smaller. They'd, they'd kill us. Um, and so when you realize that human nature is inherently sinful, inherently wicked, um, you realize that these people, when left to their own devices, will... Um, will do evil things. And, and we unfortunately have gotten to a point where, where people are kind of naive about human nature. There's this idea that, oh, mankind is just generally good and you can just trust everybody and you can just trust what they're doing. And we don't see the, the 800 pound gorilla shrieking in the corner because we don't want to. We've been trained not to. There's no 800 pound gorilla there. Well, it's screaming. What do you mean it's throwing stuff around the room? So we, we need, I think part of the reason we got here is naivete, it's ignorance. Right. Uh, we've been taught a fake version of history. We've been taught, um, you know, fraud, fraudulent ideas on just about everything. I mean, the medical industry today seems to exist to destroy your health. Uh, the Federal Reserve seems to exist to destroy the currency. The Justice Department seems to exist to destroy justice. Um, I mean, it's like every institution does the opposite of what it's supposed to be doing. The food yeah. system is, is poisoning you. Right. Um, and so this combination of ignorance and selfishness and just this desire for convenience and not wanting to do the heavy lifting required to, to maintain uh, a free and civilized society has led us to this place where we are now ruled by psychopaths. And, um, you know, and it's going to take it's been a multi generational process to get us here. I always point back to the public school system. Yeah. The way that they dumbed us down to this extent, the way that they indoctrinated so many of our young people to go along with these ideas uh, was through the public school system. So I think a combination of all those factors, of course, pastors have not really been doing what they're supposed to be doing, preaching the whole counsel of God, telling people the truth about everything that's going on. Oh, I don't want to get political. You know, I might lose my 501c3 status. So all, all those things working together have 
have put us in this incredibly dangerous situation that we're in as a nation where we're facing, um, you know, societal collapse, supply chain collapse, hyperinflation, open borders, gasoline prices through the roof, uh, social tensions and divisions, you know, on the verge of exploding. Uh, all, all those factors together, I think, led us to this point and also led us to the point where people could be so naive as to say, oh, Bill Gates, yeah, what a swell guy. Let him put a microchip in my brain. I mean, it's crazy to even hear myself say that, but there are people who believe that and who think that because some celebrities told them it was cool. So all these factors, I think, are, are what got us to this point, Courtney. Yeah, absolutely. Or or Elon is the savior and, uh, you right. know, fighting for free speech. <laughs> you know, that's right. There, there's a really great meme. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's like a picture of Elon and this guy that's like, uh, thank you so much for valuing free speech. And uh, there's a bubble, thought bubble. And he's like, data, data. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Seems right. Seems right. <laughs> but uh, you brought up history and how, you know, stolen history, essentially. Um, what do you think the purposes of that was? And what do you mean by that? And who do you think is, you know, doing this? Who, who do you think is running the show? Well, uh, two very important questions. I'll start with the second one. Who's yeah. running the show? I think the, the simplest answer, they have a commander in chief and his name is Satan, Lucifer. And, and yeah. I, you know, I, I kind of smile when I say that, but I absolutely believe that. I, I believe yeah. that at the highest levels, uh, these people are taking orders really from the pit of hell. Um, I, I read my Bible and it talks about the whole world is in the hands of the evil one. And that doesn't mean that, you know, Satan is God or Satan's equal to God. It just means that most people have been deluded, have been deceived by Satan. And uh, they might think they're worshiping Baal or Moloch or money or themselves or, you know, reason or, you know, pick, pick your false God. Ultimately, they're all worshiping the same thing. Paul explains that all these people who are worshiping all these false gods, all they're really doing is worshiping demons and ultimately Satan. So I, I think at the top of the pyramid, you'll find, you know, the, that all seeing eye is actually just Satan. Um, but then, you know, under him, of course, there, there are layers of, sure. um, of power structures and centers. You've got, uh, obviously, the, you know, the demonic forces, the powers and principalities that Ephesians chapter six talks about the spiritual wickedness, the darkness in high places. Uh, and that's very real. I, mean, I think what the Bible describes, even though we can't see it with our eyes, um, is tangible. It's real. We see the effects of it every day. Um, these are not just bad guys, right? Ephesians 6 says we don't fight against flesh and blood. This is it's a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual battle. Uh, and then in the, in the human realm, we've got, of course, all these organizations. I, in fact, I wrote a whole book about it. I don't know if I have a copy within reaching distance, but it's called Deep State, the Invisible Government Behind the Scenes. And I try to break down all the different uh, you know, organizations that some of them are secret societies. You know, I talk about the Bohemian Grove in Northern mm -hmm. California. You've got uh, the Skull and Bones Society at Yale, you know, all these weird occult societies that engage in these rituals and they think they got, they have their little secret handshakes and all the rest of it. Um, you know, that, I think that's a part of it. And then there are organizations that are technically above ground. Uh, you've got your Council on Foreign Relations in, in New York City. You've got your, your Bilderberg that meets either in Europe or, or North America every year. You've got uh, the Trilateral Commission founded by David Rockford. And there's tons of these, right? There's the World Economic Forum, the World Government Summit, all, all these different organizations where elites come in and meet and together. And they're all connected, right? Yes, they are. At the, at the leadership level, I mean, it's a very, very small circle of people. You find just, you know, like the Rockefeller dynasty, for example, David Rockefeller. 
the guy's like everywhere, right? He's on the steering committee of Bilderberg. He's the chairman of Council on Foreign Relations. He's the founder of the Trilateral Commission. He's at the Bohemian Grove with his weirdo buddies in front of a 40-foot owl. Right now, he's uh, presumably rotting in hell unless, uh, you know, for some reason he, he repented prior to passing away. I, I hope he did um, and, you know, trusted in Christ. But uh, so you have these this kind of layer beneath all that evil. You've got these people. And uh, I think at the highest levels, these people do recognize that they are pursuing evil. They recognize that, hey, uh, I actively and deliberately and consciously pursuing evil. I know I'm hurting people. I know this is immoral. And you know what? That's okay. I'm getting more money. I'm getting more power. I get whatever I want, right? Uh, and, and so they'll get their, their rewards eventually. Um, and then below them, you have the, the useful idiots, the dupes, the, the naive. And there's, a, there's plenty of these in Bilderberg. There's plenty of these in the Council on Foreign Relations. These are uh, you know, very naive individuals who've been, uh, for various reasons, partly ignorance, partly, uh, you know, being flattered, partly a desire to, you know, feel important. Uh, and, and they've rationalized themselves. Well, you know, yeah, world government probably would be nice because then there won't be war anymore. And then we won't have to worry about, uh, you know, all these different issues that we think we're going to solve by, by these things. So that's the layer of useful idiots. And again, there's plenty of these at Bilderberg. I'm sure there's plenty of them in the secret societies that don't quite fully understand the whole scope of it. Uh, so I think that really is who's in charge here. And um, I can't remember the first question you asked, Courtney, so you'll have to remind me. Uh, yeah, well, what was my first question? Um, but I get for blabbering so much. <laughs> no, 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 that was great. That was awesome. And uh, before we get to it, because I'll remember, but before we get to it, I, I think it's really important to uh, draw the um, connections between them, because I think people people have a really hard time accepting that there are secret societies people, at least from what I've experienced in talking to people, they have a really hard time accepting that these are real, you know, that Bohemian Grove is really a real thing, that, you know, the Masons really exist, and that they are even pulling any strings. And then I think it's even harder for them to, to conceive of them being interlinked, and that these people, uh, you know, have a hand in, in many of them, and that they are then involved in behind the scenes in our government. And I think that that's something really important for people to recognize. And I think uh, you could probably speak to this better than I could, but when you talk about like the deep state, I think so much of it is done through the military industrial complex because essentially they put a D defense right in front of anything and they have a black ops budget and they don't have everything classified. They don't have to share what they're actually doing. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and, and what you see is in addition to the links between all these organizations, you find people mm -hmm. from all these organizations operating the power centers that we see on the surface. So mm -hmm. you look, for example, at the, the secretary of pick something, defense, uh, health and human services, commerce, urban development, you know, pick, pick your thing. Uh, and and in, in virtually every administration, Donald Trump's was something of an exception, but there were still plenty of these people in there. Uh, you'll find somebody who's part of the CFR, somebody who's been to Bilderberg, somebody who has been to Bohemian Grove, somebody who's been involved in, um, you know, these occult things. Uh, and, and that's true. Uh, again, in, in virtually every administration in my entire lifetime, it was even true in the Ronald Reagan administration. Ronald Reagan said, we're not going to be filling our cabinet with members of the CFR. And then sure enough, he brings in George H.W. Bush to be his vice president and, you know, to pick a bunch of swamp monsters. And, um, you know, and, and I like Reagan. I think Reagan talked uh, great and he did some really good things. 
But uh, even his cabinet was filled with these types of people. So uh, you have these inner and, and you see the same thing in the business world, too. There was an inter interesting study out of Switzerland. It was published in the journal PLOS One. I think it was published in 2011, where they look at the business world and the structure of, of the businesses of the world. And what they found in this study was that uh, through interlocking boards and interlocking ownership structures, uh, you have uh, what the researchers in the study described as an economic super entity, a, a, a super core that kind of controls the, the vast majority of these businesses that we think of as independent. Now, that, that's not necessarily talking about your, your local grocer. That's not talking about necessarily your local car mechanic, but it is talking about these big Fortune 500 companies that are operating under you know 50 different brand names that, that fill up your aisles at your grocery store and things like that. Uh, and so you have, even though it looks like all these independent businesses, and it looks like we have free market competition, really, you have just this tiny core of elites who are sitting on interlocking boards, and they, they own each other's companies. And so you have that uh, going on. And so it is very, uh, once you get to the top, it's a very, very small uh, network of individuals. And, and part of it, too, is like in the Wizard of Oz, you know, you've, you've got uh, the guy behind the curtain. And when you pull back the curtain, it's just a bunch of little pipsqueaks. Right? But they want you to think this, oh, they know everything and they control everything. I mean, it, it really is, I think, a psychological operation to try to get us fearful, to try to get us thinking like, oh, yeah, what could I do against that? It's just inevitable. It's going to steamroller over us um, when it's not. It, it absolutely is not. Resistance is not futile. In fact, you just pull back the curtain and you'll see the pipsqueaks. Um, and I think that's that's how the world really works. Yeah. And I think that that's so powerful and so profound because I think people do get overwhelmed even when they do start to unveil all of this and they think they can't, that there's nothing we can do to, to combat it. But the reality is that, you know, just a little bit of exposure, right? I, I always say that, uh, that there's a line in a none dare call it conspiracy. At the end, it says conspiracy can only survive in the dark. And yep. so there, so I always add, I think therefore it's incumbent upon, you know, light to shine on conspiracy and expose it, right? Absolutely. And I, and I think that's one of the most effective things we can do is uh, is shine the light on this. Now, uh, they, they've gotten so bold to the point where they, they will oftentimes brag about these things in venues where they don't think the public is going to be paying attention. Like if you pick up David Rockefeller's autobiography, I think it was published yep. in 2004, maybe 2005, it's called Memoirs. Um, he actually says in there openly, he, he says, uh, some even allege that I'm part of a secret cabal conspiring against the best interests of my country with a network of, he calls them internationalists or what we would call globalists, uh, to build a one world political and economic order. Uh, so, and then he says that, well, if that's the charge, I stand guilty and I'm proud of it. So yep. The guy is proud of conspiring against his own country with a secret cabal of globalists in his own words. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, at, at this point, they, they are so bold. They think they're so close to success that they just kind of rub it in your face. And they also know that after, you know, multiple generations of dumbing us down in the public schools, most of us can't or won't read. Uh, so they feel pretty comfortable putting this garbage in their autobiography, knowing that it's, you know, it's mostly their cronies that are going to be reading it and not regular people. So. Right. Right. Uh, of course, they've taken out a cursive so that's going to be the, the the secret code for adults you know right. <laughs> so um so my question prior to this was about you had mentioned uh stolen history and what are your thoughts on that what do you mean by that and what is the purpose of that yeah that's right that was the question that i forgot mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know I, I think the the fake historical narrative that we are receiving uh, right now, not just through the fake media, but our, our kids are getting it in the public schools, yeah. it's in the textbooks today. Um, it is a critical part of this 
effort to destroy our civilization and to destroy the rule of law and to destroy human liberty and to bring about uh, really what is ultimately um, totalitarian uh, regime, totalitarian rule. Um, and, and part of that is, uh, you know, if people knew the real history, they wouldn't fall for a lot of these things. Uh, if people knew that these policies that they're advocating had been tried over and over and over again around the world repeatedly and had always resulted in mass death, mass misery, uh, you know, just a absolute uh, horror, starvation, concentration camps, uh, you wouldn't have a lot of dumb, useful idiots, you know, young people brainwashed in the colleges saying, we want whatever. Um, right. So uh, you also, you know, when you wipe away a people's memory of their heritage, um, they, they don't understand what they're losing. And that's what we're seeing in America right now. America is probably the premier example of this. America has an incredible history, an incredible heritage. It's unique in the history of the world where uh, a group of people said, um, you know, the Bible says this and, and the king is behaving that way. That's not acceptable. We're going to have to separate and do our own thing under the laws of nature and nature's God. They don't have any right to do this. God gave us rights. God created us equally. God, uh, uh, ordained government for the purpose of protecting these rights, for the purpose of punishing evil, which is really infringing on those rights, right? Thou shalt not uh, murder is, is the corollary is you have a right to life. And if the government's job is to punish evil, which is what the Bible says, then the government's job is to punish people who murder. Uh, the Bible says thou shalt not steal. So the corollary to that is you have a right to private property. And if somebody infringes on that right to property, then the government has an obligation to punish them. So it, when, you, when you look back in American history, it's this incredible thing where for the first time in all of human history, these principles were distilled into a governing document. They were, they were implemented as the governing charter of a nation. Uh, and that put humanity on a, a supercharged course toward the greatest experiment in, in human freedom and equality that had ever existed. Right? There had never been a nation founded on the premise that God created us all equally. That was really radical at that time. What do you mean God created us equally? Those, those guys are slaves. They can't read. You know, How could they possibly be equal? Well, our founding fathers said, no, they are. And, and it's self-evident. It's not even a, a point of discussion. The Bible says that. The Bible teaches that. Uh, so we're going to go with that. So when you understand where we came from, you, and you, when you understand what happened as a result of those things, you realize how incredible it was. So if our kids today knew this, there's no way. Not, they, they would fight to the death to preserve the, the system and the, the institutions and the liberties that were purchased for us, and really often at times at the price of uh, people's blood. Uh, and, but if you can wipe all that away and you can just say, oh, no, you don't need to know any American history. It's just all white supremacy. It's all just uh, sexism, racism, homophobia, whatever. The Constitution is just old dead white men who own slaves. Like, don't pay any attention to that stuff. Um, yeah, then these kids don't realize that, that what they're frittering away is, it was the, the culmination of thousands of years of human progress, of thousands of years of uh, intellectual progress, of, of you know, distilling these, these principles of the Bible into a governing document. And so they don't realize what they're losing. And, and that's how we've gotten to where we are is people don't know our history. So they don't know what they're losing and they don't know what we're headed towards because they don't know what happened in the, in the world's history either. Yeah. Wow. So I, if you read, you know, the white papers, they, they pretty openly said that they want to uh, destroy uh, the United States of America by like, you know, 2030, essentially, and then by 2050, there will be no more nation states, they'll have like remnants of power blocks, but no, you know, sovereign nations. Um, why do you think that the attack is so strong, of course, on Western civilization, but particularly the United States of America seems to be getting the brunt of their plans? <laughs> 
Well, I, I think for a long time, these elitists were using the U.S. government to advance their mission around the world. They, they used the U.S. government to set up the United Nations. They used the U.S. government to set up these institutions of global governance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I imagine even at the time that they were setting these up, the expectation was always, well, we need the U.S. government right now to finish reforming the world, to fund these institutions. But eventually we're going to have to get rid of it. Uh, and I think now we're coming close to the time where they think they need to get rid of it. Um, as long as it exists, as long as the ideals are still embedded in, in the foundational framework of that nation, it represents a threat. There's always the chance that the American people could wake up and say, oh, we want our constitution back. Our constitution is the supreme law, law of the land. How dare you do this to us? You don't have the authority to do that. Uh, and so now they, they've entered this next phase. Uh, they, they, they actually describe it. You know, if you go to the Council on Foreign Relations propaganda mouthpiece, it's called Foreign Affairs. Uh, they describe this process as moving from uh, what they call a unipolar world order, which was really the world order kind of led by an unchallengeable hegemonic power, the U.S. government, where, you know, all, all the militaries in the world could not have teamed up and, and come after us, to now this, what they describe as a multipolar world order, where America, if it continues to exist in its current form, will just be one among many. Uh, recently, they started calling it the, the forces that would shepherd this new order into being the concert of nations. So you'll have China and you'll have Russia and Brazil, which they fully expect to reclaim from uh, counter-revolutionary Jair Bolsonaro at the earliest possible opportunity. Uh, South Africa, you know, I, all, all these different nations, uh, they expect that these are the nations that are going to, the governments that are going to shepherd this new system into being. And so, uh, you know, who really explained this well was Rich Higgins. Uh, he was the director of policy and planning at the uh, National Security Council under Trump, and he wrote the infamous Higgins memo, where he explained, uh, hey, Mr. President, there is a total war against you. The globalists, the jihadists, the socialists, the communists, they've all teamed up, and they're all now aiming for you, but it's not just you, right? He, he said in, the, in, in his document, they want to destroy America, not just as a nation, but even as an ideal. So now that they have harnessed our military power and harnessed our economic power to prepare the world for the next phase. Now they're ready for the controlled demolition of the United States phase where they try to discredit the ideas that our country was founded on. They try to, uh, you know, I I think they would love to see a civil war here. I think that's why they're promoting racial division. I think that's why they're promoting class division. That's why they're promoting, um, you know, all all these divisive ideologies. I mean, it's the same process we've seen in every communist revolution. You divide the people into the oppressor and oppressed so that they'll war with each other. You tear down the whole system and then you rebuild a totalitarian structure in its place. So I think that's that's why they, they think they've gotten everything that they needed out of our country. They, they've exploited America. They've raped America. They've taken its resources and its military might and, uh, and used it to overthrow governments and build up global institutions. And now that they're done with us, now they, you know, they're ready to chuck us overboard. Uh, and they want to be able to say in the history books, I think that's, that's part of the reason why America is, is facing so much fire right now. They want to be able to write in the history books of the future. Yeah, there was one time this stupid nation that tried out these stupid ideas of freedom and those lunatics, they even thought God gave them a right to have a gun. Can you imagine how stupid? And then look what happened. They all killed each other and they got fat and, and dumb and, and and uh, their whole nation collapsed because those ideas are obviously retarded. Uh, we're just going to do a technocracy where the, the experts will uh, will make decisions for us. And uh, I think that's that's where they want to go. Now, will they succeed? I, I, I don't know. I don't think anything is written in stone saying that they will. But I think that's their vision. That's their plan. That's where they want to go. Yeah, and I, I well, they pretty much say that that is the plan. I you, you did such a great job outlining that and so succinctly. <laughs> um, but I think people have a really hard time acknowledging that you know, a lot of these power structures were done through America. And they, they, 
I, you know, I think this is where I, I always say, I think that the, in a lot of ways, the Republican party was created to be controlled opposition to the left there, you know, there's this Hegelian dialectic where they play off each other. And I think of it like a, you know, a spiral that goes to a point, it keeps going downward uh, because you keep perpetuating the Hegelian dialectic. And I, so I think people don't really understand how well they've, you know, they, I think people who are more awake might understand what they've done through the left and a lot of these leftist ideologies and these leftist, uh, you know, propaganda, but they don't necessarily see how they've done it through the right as well. And I think what you were alluding to with a lot of these, uh, you know, with the how they've used America in order to create these power structures that will, or, and institutions that will lead to the one world government, which is their plan, right? A lot of that I think was done through the right and through this uh, propaganda of war. And could you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, they, there's no question about it. In fact, um, they, the, that's how they operate. They use the Hegelian dialectic. And, and um, the guy who did more work exposing skull and bones than probably anybody, his name was Anthony Sutton. He was a historian at Stanford University. And actually, he got a lot of documentation on this from my, my late friend, Charlotte Israbit, who served as Ronald Reagan's senior advisor on education. Uh, her dad and her grandpa were both members of Skull and Bones. And uh, he, wrote, he wrote two books on Skull and Bones, one on the education side of it and one on just the, the organization itself. It was called uh, uh, America's Secret Establishment, an introduction to the order of Skull and Bones. And what he explained is that this is basically a, a conspiracy to create a one world government. And the way that they work is by trying to control both sides of the discussion so that no matter which side wins, no matter which way the argument goes, um, they still end up in charge. Their narrative still ends up dominant. And so we've seen that process, not just with Skull and Bones, but there's some really obvious examples, right? Um, going back to the 1950s, 1960s, uh, you had a guy by the name of William F. Buckley. Um, he was Mr. Conservative, right? They gave him a show on NPR, the New York Times, right? at Washington Compost. Right? Oh, what a great conservative. You know, what? Since when does the Washington Compost praise conservatives, right? Uh, so William Buckley was a CIA operative. He was a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, and he was a member of the Skull and Bones Society. And so that's why he was an approved conservative. And so he could say, anybody who, who I don't like is, a ba is bad. They're not really part of the conservative movement. And so he trained his fire on anybody who was deviating from the acceptable spectrum of opinion. So Anne Rand had to be destroyed. And, and I don't agree with everything Anne Rand said. In fact, I think her atheism and her selfishness is abhorrent. But the reason William Buckley trained his fire on her uh, is because her ideas were outside of the acceptable box. And so his job as a gatekeeper for the establishment was to discredit those ideas. He did the same thing to the John Birch Society. Oh, no, they have conspiracy theories. You can't take that seriously. Meanwhile, he's out there promoting the United Abominations. He's out there promoting abortion. He's out there selling us out uh, at every possible opportunity. And he's out there defending white supremacy and racial segregation and violence against black people to prevent them from voting. Um, and that's, that's William Buckley. Now, fast forward to um, what year was it? Uh, Bush versus Kerry, maybe 2004. Uh, you've got a, a Democrat and you've got a Republican. They're both running for the presidency. And, you know, they're arguing, oh, we should have higher tax and no, we should have lower tax. Uh, both of them are members of the Skull and Bone Secret Society. So again, you see the same pattern where they try to control both sides of the argument. And so anybody to the right of George W. Bush they must be an extremist. They must be a right-wing fringe fanatic. Anybody to the left of John Kerry who asks questions about the mega corporations working with the government just to, to loot the public. Oh, they must be, you know, ridiculous communist revolutionary. We can't talk to them. We, they're, they're bad people. You can't. So, so what they do is they try to 
keep the the spectrum of opinion, the spectrum of debate within a very narrow band. Um, and, and that is the way that they do. And they continue to do that today. We see all kinds of phony, fake, controlled opposition uh, on both sides of, of the debate. And, and I think the Republican Party, uh, while it has been a vehicle for some good things, is unfortunately uh, today at many levels really part of the problem. Um, and, and I just witnessed this now in, in Florida. You know, uh, what you find when, when you actually get involved in the political process is that the rhinos, the, the liberal Republicans, um, they are much more comfortable with Democrats. They're totally fine with Democrats. Uh, who they really hate is conservatives and Christians that want to get in and say, wait a minute, you guys are selling us out. You guys are betraying our freedom. You guys are not obeying your oath of office. And then they all team up. The fake news and the rhino establishment, they all team up to destroy the outside conservative who's saying, hey, you guys are are doing something wrong. So, um, you know, their control of the Republican Party is tenuous. Uh, there are many places where the GOP is in good conservative hands, but uh, at the national level, the RNC, and even at the state level, even in a good state like Florida, um, the the establishment controls the Republican Party. And come election time, you know, they'll be super conservative, you know, especially if there's a conservative primary challenger, the establishment hacks will, man, they, they'll be the most conservative ever. And all they want to do is protect your freedom. Uh, and then as soon as they've eliminated or destroyed the conservative, then they just go right back to their old tricks. So, so that's the process that they use. Um, and unfortunately, the same thing is true for Democrats. You know, Democrats listening to this will recognize similar things happening in their party. In fact, they did it to Bernie Sanders. And I'm no fan of Bolshevik Bernie, but we saw that uh, in 2016, Hillary Clinton and her and her establishment buddies stole the election from Bernie Sanders. And, um, you know, it, it, that's just how they work. And, and absolutely how they were. So that being said, what do you see for uh, the future in terms of, I mean, we have the midterms coming up and then of course, you know, 2024. And then, you know, since I, I, I don't know that I have as much faith in the political system I, and anybody who just listened to what you outlined may, may agree. Um, what do you see beyond that and for their, their plans and how we can fight against it? Well, I, I think what we see right now, Courtney, is, um, a variety of crises coming toward us like tidal waves. And uh, at this point, I don't know that there's much that can be done to stop those tidal waves. I think we need to brace for impact because it's coming. Um, we're going to see inflation getting more and more out of control. We're going to see economic destruction like uh, probably most of us have not seen in our lifetimes, especially if you grew up in the United States. Uh, we're seeing supply chains breaking down. We're seeing the food supply uh, being just deliberately demolished. We are seeing the borders wide open. They say now 4 million illegal immigrants have come across the border just in the last 17 months since Biden took over. Uh, we've got these divisions that are being inflamed. You've got people training for civil war. You've got federal agents leading fake opposition groups hoping to, uh, you know, blow things up and stir up trouble and, and cause, uh, you know, conflict. So I think we're headed right into a very serious storm. And I think right now, um, you know, there really a lot of these are baked into the cake now. It's going to take, you know, miracle, supernatural intervention to, to try to stop some of these things. But what we can do is hunker down, you know, buckle up and do everything we can in the meantime to educate as many Americans as possible about what's going on. Uh, we need to protect our own families. And that means, you know, taking prudent precautions, making sure you've got a little extra food, making sure uh, you're not going to end up in a food line if, God forbid, you lose your job because the economy collapses or, God forbid, uh, you know, the grocery store shelves are empty. So, uh, you know, I would encourage people to, to get prepared spiritually, mentally, uh, physically, emotionally, um, and financially for, for what's coming. Uh, and then also recognize that it's not just about 
you know, keeping your family around for another day. Uh, we have an obligation to, to pass on our traditions, to pass on our heritage to the next generation. And so be thinking in those terms. Um, I encourage people to get involved in the political process. We, you, most of the states have just gone through primaries. There's a few states that still have primaries coming up. So if you didn't get involved this time around, um, yeah, and the, pri the primaries, I think, are critical. Um, if you didn't get involved this time around, well, you know, hopefully in two years we'll have another election. Whether we will or not, we'll see, but it's possible. Um, and in the meantime, if you know of good candidates that are running somewhere, uh, whether that be for local or county or state or even federal office, and, and when I say good candidates, I don't mean just someone that gives a good speech on the campaign trail. A lot of these establishment <laughs> hacks are masters at giving a good speech on the campaign yeah. trail, but they'll turn around and stick a knife in your back faster than you can turn around. So, you know, don't just judge it by the rhetoric. Find people who are proven freedom fighters, people who are proven courageous, patriotic, God-fearing people who really do want the best and get involved in their race. Maybe you can go knock doors for them. Maybe you can do a phone bank for them. Maybe if you have money, maybe you can send them a check to help them win their race because we've got to get good people into office at every level. Um, and the sooner, the better. Uh, I do tell people, get your kids out of the public schools. They're going to get more and more radicalized. It's going to get more and more ugly. Um, the only way to protect your, your kids is really to, to withdraw them. And um, yeah, again, I think we're headed for some really tough times. I don't want to sugarcoat it. I think we're headed into some turbulence, but I don't think that necessarily needs to be the end of the story. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not a, a future predictor. I don't have a crystal ball and I'm not a prophet, but I, I do believe strongly we're headed into some tough times. But I think if we play our cards right and, and, and try to outsmart these people um, on the other side of this, we can rebuild uh, better than ever, not a kind of build back better like Joe <laughs> Biden and his minions are talking about, but really try to rebuild on the solid foundation that our forefathers laid down. I love that. Uh, you did mention the schools and to pull you know, kids out of the schools. Um, are you familiar with what they recently did with the religious schools and giving them uh, tax funds? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about that. Honestly, yeah, I, I know that a lot of uh, I know yeah. that a lot of good people are celebrating this. And, um, you know, my big concern, I guess, yeah. Courtney, is that it's like the, the cheese in the mousetrap. You know, yep. um, the, the reason the mouse gets his skull smashed in is because he doesn't understand why the cheese is free. Um, and I say this about universal basic income. I say the same thing about tax money for your Christian yeah. schools. Um, as soon as the, the Christian schools come and eat the cheese, the trap's going to close and they're going to say, hey, you're getting public money. You can't be teaching kids that the Bible is true. You can't be teaching kids that there's something wrong with transgenderism. You can't be refusing to hire, uh, you know, pedophile transvestites to teach your kindergarten class. Uh, you know, that's discrimination and you're taking public money. So yeah. I, I think there needs to be real caution. Whenever government money comes, uh, government control follows. And, uh, you know, I, I say that with all due respect to the people who, who are excited about this. I sure. just really want to urge people to be cautious because the government doesn't just give you money because they like you. They give it to you because they <laughs> want to control you. Yeah, that, that, that was my concern as well. Well, I, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you have another meeting. So if you have anything else you want to add, this was awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And of course, tell everybody where to find you. Uh, well, thank you so much, Courtney. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to come on. Uh, my personal website is libertysentinel.org. I'm the senior editor at the New American Magazine. I encourage people to subscribe. It's at thenewamerican.com. Uh, you can also subscribe to the free daily headlines. Fantastic information, especially in this age of fake news and lies and propaganda. Um, I'm executive director of Public School Exit. I write for a lot of publications, including the Epoch Times and others. Um, and um, yeah, those are some of the things I do. People can find me all over the place. And, uh, and, and again, thank you so much for having me, Courtney. It's always a pleasure. It's an honor and a blessing. And I uh, hope we will chat again very soon. Yeah, I would love it.
Thank you. Thanks, Courtney. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.